Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 394, if a fortunate equity event or liquidity event should cause your income to skyrocket, what will that do to your taxes? Joe and Big Al spitball tax strategies to help you manage this good problem to have. Plus, backdoor Roth, contributions, conversions, and income limits explained. Converting 12 and a half million bucks to Roth And what happens to retirement accounts when you pass? Will there be a tax bill due? Visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click Ask Joe and Al on air to send in your money questions, comments, suggestions, and requests as an email or a priority voicemail. We'll kick things off today with the 712 portfolio. What is it? I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Hi, Joe, Big Al, and Andy. I found your podcast about a year ago and love it. Y'all, the perfect mix of thought-provoking insights and entertainment. I've learned a lot from you. Thank you. Well, thank you. (laughs) I live in the Piedmont of North Carolina. Drive a 2013 Honda CRV with 190,000 miles and going strong. I have a Rescue Terrier Chihuahua Mix. What is SPCA? Special Pet (laughs) California. Oh, it actually stands for Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Wow. Society. We're being educated. All right. Love a margarina on the rocks with a lot of salt. Yum. Uh, Here's my question for you. Have you heard of the 712 portfolio? Okay. It consists of eight equity diversified funds accounting for 65% of the portfolio. Small, mid, large. U.S. stock funds, developed international emerging market funds, re- national re- um, na- natural resources, and a commodity fund. And it also has four fixed income funds, accounting for 35% of the portfolio, U.S. bond, tips, international bond, and cash. All funds are equally weighted at 8.33%. Uh, no, I've never heard of the 712. I hadn't either. So 712. So there's seven asset classes consisting of 12 funds. I believe is the seven twelve. Probably, yep. And with with twelve different funds all owned equally, eight point three three percent each. With a sixty five percent equity, thirty five percent fixed income. Correct. Got it. Okay. He's fifty five, recently retired with one point five. Congratulations, fifty five. One point five million dollar portfolio and fifty three thousand dollars annual spending need, including taxes. I like the seven twelve. Because of the diversification and simplicity, they use mostly Vanguard Index Mutual Funds ETFs to build this portfolio. I put the highest risk reward funds in my Roth IRA in after-tax accounts and more conservative funds in my 401k since that is where I'm withdrawing most of my money, $40,000 from the 401k and thirteen dollars from my after-tax brokerage account at 0% capital gains. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this investment approach. Is it too diversified? Too many funds? Is equal weighting too simplistic? Appreciate you sharing your insights on this portfolio approach. Till next time, uh, sugar, mangolia. Magnolia. That's a beautiful flowering tree from down south. What did you say? Man, man, Mangolia? Yeah. <laughs> man, magnolia. Magnolia. All right. Got it. That's a sugar. Just, just man, say, just call her sugar. Ma- sugar, manol- magnolia. There you go. Got you got it. it. Greensville. Greens. So what, what do you think Greens of that Pro. investment approach? It's fine. Totally fine. It's super simplistic and I, and, and that's okay. It's diversified. It's probably redundant. I don't know how efficient it is. 
you know what I mean? But so I, I like the approach a lot, to be honest with you. Yeah, because it's diversified. That's what I like. Right. I don't know if, I mean, I guess it's easy to rebalance if you know, all right, I want 8% in each asset class right. so, or each mutual fund that I have. And so you could easily put a spreadsheet and say, okay, well, that's at 9%, sell it and get it to eight. And someone's at seven, buy more to get it to 8%. Sure. Yeah. You know exactly what it should be. To, to me, the, the reason why I wouldn't do it is because there's certain asset classes I'd rather have more of. Exactly. Right. I'd probably rather have more large company be growth because that's that's kind of more stability. And I'd probably rather have less in treasury inflated protected securities, which is a type of bond, just because that's pretty volatile. Right. I I might not want that much in emerging markets, even though that's a great asset class, super volatile. So, you know, I, I might not pick the same, but I will say this, it's not a bad idea because I mean, what do most people do? They buy one or two mutual funds and they're they're completely redundant and they think they're diversified. Yeah, or or the opposite. They have 15 different funds and they're almost identical. They got all the same stocks in it. Exactly, yeah. right? They all have different names and different companies and things like that. So that's a super redundant strategy, not diversifying. Right. At least um, Sugar here is looking at, all right, well, I want 8% in small cap. I want 8% in large cap. I want 8% in international. I want 8% in emerging markets. So I right. want 8% in large cap value, large cap growth, whatever, you know, because I guess there's 12 different funds. And I really, I like that strategy. If you keep it very low cost, there, um, sugar's going to Vanguard, which is a low cost option. Yep. It sounds like sugar's doing a little asset location yeah, by which we agree with putting, you know, asset classes that give you a higher expected return in the Roth or the non-qualified account. But I don't know if sugar's doing something. So. No, I, I think it's fine. So here, here's what I would say. To me, it's more important to be globally diversified and low cost investments than it is how much you do in this fund versus that fund. Well, but I, I like your point, Al, is that you want to cater to your specific situation, depending on where you're at in life and what you're wanting to, right? So let's say that I was 55, even though I'm nowhere close to that age. Uh, you're getting there. I would, I will have... <laughs> A lot more money. So my portfolio, because I want to work for another 15 years, not here, but somewhere, <laughs> somewhere where I enjoy going to work. You want to consult. Consult beer at the steep chair. Um, <laughs> That'd be good. It, looking at, you know, I might have more, you know, funds that are small cap or emerging markets or, yeah. you know, because I don't want every fund to have the same percentage because that's how you can gain a higher expected rate of return in your overall portfolio with the same amount of risk. Sure. So you want to tilt portfolios towards certain asset classes. So you could have actually more bonds or less bonds, depending on how your portfolio is structured. Large cap growth is the safest stock investment, but even though it's very volatile and risky because it's a stock, but a large cap growth stock is a lot safer, quote unquote, than a small cap value stock. Yeah, it, it's less volatile. It doesn't bounce up and down as much. It does. It, it is volatile. Don't get me wrong. But it, like emerging markets typically is the most volatile. However, it often has the best rate of return when you look back 20 years. So he's retired or she's retired. Sugar's retired. And I don't know, taking money out of the portfolio with that, I, I don't know if it's a good strategy for this specific situation, right? Because once you're retired and taking money from the portfolio, it's a totally different ballgame there too, 
right? And then one of the things that concerns me a little bit is that, okay, I have my safe investments in my IRA and I'm pulling money from my IRA to live off of. And then I'm supplementing that with my brokerage account. Okay. Well, maybe you should be looking at Roth conversions if you're in the 0% or 12% tax bracket. Um, and then if you're pulling money from the brokerage account, or eventually you'll be pulling money from the Roth account, you don't want to have your highest expected return. You need to have a more globally diversified portfolio based on your income needs and how you're going to distribute the money from each of these different accounts. Yeah, I think that's well said, because when you are in retirement, when you're taking money out, you probably your investment should be a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, your investments at 20 and 30 and 40 are probably going to be different than 50, certainly 60 and 70 and 80 when you're starting to take the money out. Right. Well, it, well even if you retire at 55, if if you have a retired person at 55 versus someone that's continuing to grow their portfolio, let's say they have the same risk tolerance. The, the portfolio needs to be set up differently on how they're distributing the money and what is the tax strategy, because eventually you want to pull money from all three accounts. You're taxable, you're tax deferred, and you're tax free to keep you in the lowest tax bracket for life. Right. And so that brings up another really good point. And that is when you're distributing assets, and if you are withdrawing from all three accounts, you need to have some safe assets in, in all three yes. accounts, including Roth, including your non retirement account, including your retirement account. So just be aware of that too. All right, Sugar. If you're one of those folks that listens to YMYW as soon as it publishes, you're in luck. The special offer at yourmoneyyourwealth.com right now is our DIY retirement guide. Now, while all our other guides and white papers and handbooks are always available in the financial resources section of the website, the DIY retirement guide is only available at yourmoneyyourwealth.com for the next few days. This free 48-page guide has steps to understand and plan your retirement income, strategies for choosing a tax-efficient distribution method, tips on preparing for the unexpected, and much more for those of you who are do-it-yourselfers. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app, go to the podcast show notes, and download the DIY Retirement Guide now. Once it's gone, it will not be available again for several months. Get your copy by this Friday, September 9th, 2022. Uh, go to com. Click on the icon, Ask Joe and Al on the air, and we will answer your questions um, when we get around to it. Yeah, no no promise on timing. No promise on timing. You know, it, it's funny. They, it's ebb and flow. Yeah. You know, when the markets are a little volatile, it seems like people are scared. They don't write in. And then when they kind of pick back up, then we get flooded. Right. And then we can't get to them. We can't get to them. We got three questions and then we got 25. You got it. Uh, But we will read them all um, unless they're full of weird (laughs) stuff that sometimes we get as well. Uh, Let's start right now. You got, hi, Joe, Alan, Andy. Absolutely love your podcast and look forward to every weekly episode. Originally started listening to one of the other retirement podcasts, which will remain nameless, which helped me understand the basics, but soon felt too simplistic. After a while, felt like continuing, um, after a while, continuing to ride a bike with training wheels. Oh, yeah. Too basic. Yeah. Take those off. Plus, it was a little too touchy-feely about feelings related to retirement, and that got out pretty fast. Well, now I know which one it is. <laughs> I, I could not listen to like 30 seconds of that. <laughs> the touchy-feely? Oh, 
you know, it's you and, I, side you and I have done this where you go to workshops and then they want to meet in small groups and discuss something <laughs> oh, like, how do you feel about retirement? Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> no. How do you really feel? And then you and I decide we've, we picked that spot to go to the bathroom. Yes. Sorry. Really got to go. Yeah. Alan, I got a really small group. <laughs> and we're going to talk about how much we hate this. <laughs> um, I don't know who this is, but I guess Andy. Andy knows. Andy somehow. knows. All right. A little touchy feely. We don't get touchy feely here. We get flip it. And snarky. If, and snarky, snarky and arrogant. <laughs> yeah. Sarcastic. It's, yeah. It's like, understand your numbers, people. Jeez. <laughs> Instead of, oh. What are you going to do when you wake <laughs> up in retirement? Yeah, that's not our show, is no, it? No, it's not. Um, I can see why I got pretty old. Well, welcome to the welcome to the club here, sir. I need a little more substance than following you guys. Holy crap. If the prior po- podcast was a primer, your podcast is like a graduate education. Um, wow. Learned so much. Even when questions don't seem to apply to my situation. Joe? What really impresses me is that you can read a very detailed email question from a listener that includes way too much information. And let's be honest, it's obvious that you are seeing the email for the first time when you read it. No kidding. (laughs) No kidding. All right. So you did like the show. Um, And you can distill it down to essential question before being asked. It's like you have some kind of magic filter and can get to the basic issue. So that is probably your superpower. So I, I agree with that. You are great at that. Oh, well, thank you, Al. Really Do you think it. that's your superpower, Joe? I don't know. No, I don't think so. <laughs> it's, I don't it's, even understand what he's trying to what, what, Because there's a lot of fluff, and I probably know where the, the, yeah, the question's you, going. You, you get all these numbers and comments, and you go right to the meat. Got it. That That's that's one. That's not your only. Oh. That's one of your superpowers. Great. Anyway, I have a simple question, though I feel guilty for asking it. I work for a private company, not publicly traded. We have an option of being a part owner, and I have a number of shares of the company. The shares themselves are not particularly valuable, but we are in an industry in which equity investors have an interest. Uh, There's a new equity investment deal every five or so years, so there is a new influx in cash to our company, and as a part owner, I stand a profit next time there's an equity event. Oh, a little private equity. Yeah, I like it. So private equity is buying, and so they flip every five years, it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I are 62, hoping to retire at 65. We have approximately $2 million in a variety of 401k brokerage accounts and old SEP IRAs. We do not yet have any Roth accounts, but hope to start converting soon. I would estimate our gross income to be about 225000 per year. We have three children, two still in college, but... College expenses are covered by prior 529 plan savings. We have about $100,000 balance on our mortgage with about $500,000 in equity in our house. Really no other debt to speak of. My question is this. It is likely there will be a company equity event in the next year. It will probably net me around $1.5 million or more. Oh, congrats. It will likely be paid out in increments annually over 36 months. Then I retire and go fishing every day. I was thinking about a little touchy feely moment there. (laughs) (laughs) And he stamped it out. (laughs) uh, I know this is an unusual windfall situation, but I'm wondering what the hell will this do to my tax situation? Well, you already said it's net 1.5. Right. 
So he's already calculated some sort of tax. Um, This will likely push me into the highest tax bracket over the three years in which my income will look particularly high. Are there any mitigation strategies I can consider to lower my tax burden over those three years? I do not think my company offers any kind of deferred comp, which would allow me to spread it out over several years. Any help you can give would be appreciated. By the way, I drive a 2019 Tesla Model 3. It costs me around 50 bucks a month to charge compared to my wife's $80 per week SUV. Have a recently neutered one-year-old yellow lab, and I prefer a nice Cabernet for my drink of choice. A little cab guy, huh? Sure. Thanks for all you do and for the excellent information you provide. I learn something new every week. I recommend your podcast to all my friends and family. I've never seen your videos, but I listen to your podcast in my car. Uh, All right, so let's talk about taxes on his uh, payout from a private equity firm that's going to come to him over 36 months, $1.5 million net. Um, Let's just say it's a couple million bucks paid over 36 months. It's going to blow him up. What does he do? I'm going to say that net means net after closing costs on the deal instead of net of tax. Sure. But so I'm going to assume it's $1.5 million, gets set over 36 months. So I guess the first thing is this is capital gain. It's not ordinary income. So regardless of your ordinary income amount, capital gains sit on top of that. Capital gains get taxed at either zero, 15%, or 20%. So based upon 225,000 a year of salary, and let's just say you get 500,000 over the next three years. So that will put you into the into, into a point where some of it, some of the capital gain will be taxed at 15%, but some at 20. So it, yeah, there's a 5% delta if you could spread it around a little bit more evenly. And then also, I'm not really clear, you say it's your, your company uh, or are you investing in it? If it's your company, if you're actively involved, if it's your, if that's where your salary comes from, then you don't have to worry about that net investment income tax, which is another 3.8% tax on top of the 15 or 20. Uh, if if this is an investment, then you do have that tax. So actually it would be more like 19% and 24% versus 15 and 18, r- roughly like that. But here, here's a thought I have, which is depending upon when the deal closes, Maybe you only have half a year where you get half of it, and then you have two years of full, and then another year of half. So it may not be quite as bad as you think for for the reason that it may be spread out more than you think, maybe kind of straddle four years instead of three, and it's capital gain, which is a lot better than ordinary income rates. So straddle is what you're saying. I like straddle. Okay, straddle. Yeah. Uh, straddle the payments to get over four years versus three. Yeah, and I think that will probably happen unless it closes like right at year end. In January yeah. 1st or yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I guess some strategies that you can look at to reduce capital gains tax is that a capital loss will offset a capital gain dollar for dollar. So if you have a brokerage account that is not, a retirement account, which I believe he does. And if you have losses within that account, you would want to sell those and buy something similar to capture those capital losses, which would offset the gain. Yeah. Here's another one. This is kind of out there, okay. but you could- if Put it you, in a crut? Yeah. If your company allows it, you could put in it into a charitable remainder trust. And then when it's sold, then that money will flow into the trust. There's no tax to be paid because it's a tax-exempt trust, you will receive a lifetime earnings stream. Yes, that will be taxable, but at least you don't pay all the tax up front. 
<clears throat> see what else you can do um, some tax credits <laughs> low income housing sure uh, how about buy, opportunity zones buy an electric car yeah we could yeah buy an electric car yeah. um, they're so, changing the rules on that although the, but his income is too high it's though, too high to, yeah, that, to that's benefit. right um, opportunity zone yeah could do that that's wow we were going deep aren't we oil and gas oil and gas <laughs> yeah I was just gonna say that um let's see and we're not recommending any of those things we're no, just we're just talking we're just falling on yeah, things you could do throwing up ideas throwing up is right um all right hey guys first time caller long time listener i'm 36 happily married to a former pageant hottie wow okay <laughs> oh and three kids living in lincoln nebraska boom congratulations we had a fortunate liquidity event in 2021 where I sold 50% of my shares in a tech startup. Overnight, we went from having $400,000, mostly lower tax. Before. <laughs> in retirement accounts to $2 million investable, total with 50% of shares still invested. Income is about $120,000, which is in the financial services industry. So this guy's got a pageant hottie. Yeah. Just sold 50% of his company for a couple million bucks. That's right. Guy's 36, living large in Lincoln, Nebraska. Can you picture it? I can picture it now. <laughs> you got to just visualize so you can help these people That's kind right. of with their financial right. you know, spitball here. Right. All right. I just can't wait to see what he drives. <laughs> I just bought a Ferrari. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. We have... A startup hobby farm. Okay. Oh. That is starting to show a little profit. Of course it is. There's nothing that goes wrong in this guy's <laughs> life. He's trying to lose money to save taxes. Yeah, I'm trying to save some taxes. And next thing you know, I killed it again. Another $5 million. And by the way, I got a side little pageant hottie. Um, I think. All right. Okay. Start showing a profit. But we have lots of capital investments needed to make the farm grow. We need a tractor. We need a barn, et cetera. My question is, if we could look at a tax strategy where we invest into our active farm business, resulting in a significant loss and simultaneously convert all or portion of our pre-tax 401ks at more advantages, more advantageous. Oh, my God. Am I half just (laughs) mentally ill it's because of your broken toe you're not thinking clearly i can't even read and people write in every week for us to give them some sort of and they always pick long words advantageous marginal tax rate there you go all right i drive a 2015 chevy silverado well then that's getting upgraded yeah there you go in michelada okay yeah midwest right i guarantee he has a fridge in his uh garage as well got it yep probably so all right Okay. Well, so hobby farm. Yeah. So, so the question is, I'm making a lot of money. Can I set up a farm and buy a bunch of capital equipment, take a big write-off, and then I got lost now? Then I can, then I can do Roth conversions. I like the idea. The idea is to create tax deductions so you can do Roth conversions, net them together to where you pay very little tax, if any. Right. So here's the problem with that, and that is. Um, a capital investment is not necessarily deductible when you purchase it, like a like a tractor, a barn. So these are capital assets. You have to depreciate them. So a, a tractor is probably 
probably over five years. I'm guessing a barn would be probably 27 and a half years. So you get to take a little piece of it each year. Now there is bonus depreciation and honest to God, it changes every year. So I'm not even going to try to tell you if there's bonus depreciation in this year, but check that out because you might be able to get extra right off there. If you're buying stuff like farm supplies or things like that, you can write that off. So you can create a loss and that loss, as long as you have a profit motive, which you do, you're already making a profit, right? Then yeah, you can take that against other income and do a Roth conversion, but just be careful. You can't just buy a whole bunch of capital equipment and expect to write that all off. Yeah. Because he's thinking a tractor is going to cost a pretty penny. Yeah. A barn is going to cost me a lot. Maybe I can go right. dollar for dollar right Yeah, off. right. It's a great idea, but it doesn't quite work that way. Do me a favor. Don't leave your retirement plan and your entire financial future to be decided by a few minutes spitball on a podcast. Find out the exact strategies to use right down to the penny to minimize your taxes, properly allocate your assets, protect your portfolio from market volatility, max out social security benefits, and to match your plans to your needs, wants, and goals in retirement. Schedule a free financial assessment with one of the experienced financial professionals on Joe and Big Al team at Pure Financial Advisors. Pure is a fee-only fiduciary. They don't sell investment products. They don't make commissions off of you. There's no cost or obligation, and they will do what is best for you, your family, and your circumstances. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes, then click get an assessment to schedule yours now. Uh, this question came in from Nancy from Wisconsin again. Nancy writes us every week, it seems like now. <laughs> or maybe there's a Nancy that maybe there's multi. A well, I guess Nancy's a pretty common name sure. in Wisconsin. Probably more than one Nancy in Wisconsin. Probably. Hi, Joe. Now, in the great and powerful Andy. Wow. Thanks, Nancy. Regarding podcast 391. Remember that one? Yeah, at 23 minutes in. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> that, that seemed like just yesterday. Oh, what a great show that was. <laughs> 32-year-old Mike said he made his Roth $6,000 contribution through a backdoor conversion. Maybe I'm off base here, but I wonder if there is some confusion related to the conversion in contribution terms. His income for a contribution was too high for a direct Roth contribution. However, if he is converting to a Roth IRA, that's a different story. And he should not mark it on his taxes as a contribution because it's a conversion. The $6,000 limit is also for a contribution, but not a conversion. For Mike's sake, in case there's confusion on the terminology, can you explain the difference between Roth contributions and their limits, income and contributions, compared to a Roth conversion with limits, income? Conversion, not contribution. Thanks, Nancy. <laughs> Nancy, <clears throat> I believe if I could just go back in time to podcast 391. <laughs> you remember that, right? 22 minutes in, in yeah. 54 seconds. Yeah. Um, I, I want to imagine that 32-year-old Mike was doing a backdoor Roth contribution. Right is what the terminology is the the mega backdoor the megatron the the <laughs> barn door backyard whatever it's a conversion yeah but so. he's making a contribution to a non deductible IRA correct and then he's converting the non deductible IRA to a Roth 
Yeah, and people just seem to call that backdoor Roth contribution. I mean, that's just what it's called, but it's two different things. So he is making a contribution to a IRA. He's not making a contribution to a Roth IRA. He is not allowed to take a, a contribution to a Roth IRA because he doesn't qualify because there's income limits. As a single taxpayer, the income limit is? 129000 is where that starts phasing out. So one hundred thirty grand. So if you have more than one hundred thirty thousand dollars, then you can no, or you're phased out. What's the top? The yeah, one forty. The, the top is one forty four. So in other words, if you make as a single person, if you make more than one hundred forty four thousand dollars of income, not taxable income, of income, right? Then then you're you're phased out of, of being able to make a, a direct contribution to a Roth. Otherwise, you could do six thousand dollars if your income is below one hundred twenty nine. You could do a six thousand dollar contribution directly to a Roth. And seven thousand if you're fifty and older. And if you're married, if, if you're married, those those uh, the phase out starts at two hundred four thousand and goes to two hundred fourteen thousand. Okay, <clears throat> so that's income limitations for Roth IRA contributions. What Mike was doing is he was still making a contribution, so he can still make the six thousand dollar contribution or seven thousand dollar contribution, but he's not going Roth. He is going into an IRA. And that's allowed to anybody, regardless of income level, as long as you have earned income. Right. So, or, or, or if your spouse has earned income, you can use that too. Perfect. So he's making an IRA contribution of six thousand dollars. Right. And then, what is he doing after he makes that contribution? Is converting that contribution into a Roth IRA. There is no income limitations to convert. There is no dollar figure that's limit to convert. So if you want to convert a million dollars, you can. If you make a million dollars, you can still convert a million dollars if you want to. You're just going to pay the tax of whatever you convert. In this scenario, he already paid the tax on the contribution because it was an after-tax contribution because he was not allowed to take the deduction. Right. So he paid the tax, made an after-tax contribution, and then turns around and converts it into a Roth, there is no tax on the conversion. And it's just called a backdoor Roth contribution. Right. But it is a contribution and a conversion in the same, I guess, sequence or same strategy. And, and it's just a workaround for avoiding those income limitations. And it's the same net effect. You get that $6,000 into the Roth IRA. It's just a two-step process, right? Realize, though, if you have other IRAs, doesn't work so well because you got to treat all your IRAs as one. And now when you convert, you're going to have some of it is taxable and some non-taxable, depending upon the ratio of that $6,000 to everything else you have in the IRAs. Yeah. The pro rata in aggregation rules. So yeah, and, I think we yeah. were just talking with Mike on podcast 391. Yeah that he did not have any other IRAs. Yeah. The other weird thing is 401ks do not count in that computation, nor does a 403b or a TSP, TSP. Yep. right? So it's only IRAs count and, and inherited IRAs do not count either. That, that That's a separate uh, type of account. We got a question coming in here. It goes, hi, Joe, big Al. My wife and I are both currently retired. We live in San Diego. All right. Little neighbors. Yeah. Both of us have pensions that net around a hundred grand each annually. Jeez, it's a big baller there, right? My IRA is eleven million. 
or one point one. He says eleven. Look at this guy. Eleven million, and my wife has one point five million in hers. Our combined taxable income is two hundred five thousand. Does it make sense to roll over any of these assets to a Roth rollover? Appreciate your time. Thank you, Frank from San Diego. What do you think there, Big Al? Well, we could use a little more information, but with with what little we know, that's a lot of money in an IRA, and your required minimum distributions are just going to keep getting higher and higher. I don't know how old you are, but at age 72, roughly 4%, we'll add the two together to call it uh, close to 13 million, right? 4% of 13 is whatever, 500,000, 550, yeah. whatever. Anyway, that's a big number. It's going to keep you in very high tax brackets along with your pensions. So I would be converting right now based upon what little I know, because you're going to be in high brackets anyway. So why not get some of it out while we've got actually a little bit lower brackets until 2026, and then you've got more tax diversification later. Yeah, without question, needs to look at what tax bracket he is right now, what tax bracket he's going to be when RMDs hit, what tax bracket he's going to be when the the tax act reverts. Yeah, it goes back, right. And then you have to look at the heirs, right? Or is he charitably inclined? How much money does he want to give the charity? Because he could do QCDs and you could give up to, what, $100,000. So, But it's still RMDs are going to be, what, three, four hundred grand yeah. on top of you know the $100,000 that he can do as a, as a charitable gift. Then you want to look at the kids' tax situation because they're going to have to – let's say him and his wife pass tomorrow. God forbid I would never want that to happen to you, Frank. But then the kids have to take the money out in 10 years. You take right. $13 million out in 10 years. Now they're going to – I mean, the kids are going to have to take out a million bucks. Yeah, and if there's only one kid, that's a million dollars plus per year. And that's ordinary income. Right. So – Think about that. And then also think about, and I, since you brought up passing, <laughs> so one of you may outlive the other one and then you'll, you'll, the, the survivor will be in the single bracket, which is a lot lower still. So consider all these things you probably do want to convert, but you need, we need a little more information to know, you know, whether it makes sense. It probably does. Uh, but as to how much, I don't know. Yeah. Well, congratulations. First of all, yeah. um, very successful. And, um, that's a lot of money in a retirement account. It is. I mean, he only really has half of that because half of it's going to taxes. Yeah, typically that happens when you've got company stock in a 401k and and it, and it does well, does yeah. quite well. Hey, congratulations to YMYW superfan Lauren. She was the randomly chosen winner of the $100 Amazon e-gift card just for giving us her opinions about your money, your wealth in the fifth annual YMYW podcast survey. In her survey answers, Lauren mentioned that she used to love reading the transcripts till we took them away. Well, if you missed it, they're back, baby. My mother, our transcriber, she's back in business. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and read the full transcript of this episode and all previous show notes pages have transcripts as well. And just because the survey has ended does not mean that we don't still want to hear from you. Click Ask Joe and Big Al on air in the podcast show notes and send in your questions or comments so we can keep working to make your money, your wealth, the best personal finance podcast. Another way you can help us do that is by sharing YMYW with your friends, family, and colleagues. Spread this silly show everywhere. Hey, Tried to send this on your website, but can't tell if it went through. It didn't. Well, it didn't. 
<laughs> website that's sucks. Why that's why we're finally getting to it now. Yeah. He sent this in and three years ago. <laughs> uh, my di- my mom died unexpectedly 12 years ago. So my mom died unexpectedly 12 years ago? Yeah. It isn't unexpectedly like recent, not 12 years ago? Well, or like it, 12 was, years it was ago. unexpected at the time. Got it. We got this email 12 years ago. <laughs> we, <laughs> we're just getting when we first started the company. When we got we're, we're yeah, getting okay. to it now. Okay. All right. <clears throat> she died without a will. She was estranged from my dad, but not divorced. I didn't have a good relationship with my dad either. In the last six years, we have reconnected. Okay. Positive. Cool. Uh, Touchy feeling. Very nice. He <laughs> received a letter that my mom's 401k is still in Vanguard. My dad is 72 and doesn't need the money and doesn't want it to get hit with a tax bill. What should he do? Can it remain unclaimed? My drink of choice is Coca-Cola or Tito's and soda. Cheers. I'm looking forward to the spitball. Signed. Anonymously. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, okay, so a couple of things. Mom passed. Yeah, 12 years ago. Still married to dad. Yep. Son and dad didn't get along. Yep. Now they reconnected. Dad is shooting, having a little Coca-Cola or some little Tito's and soda with son. All right. And said, hey, what I got this I letter yeah. from Vanguard saying your mother's 401k is still a Vanguard. Yeah. So because he's still married or is married. Yeah. Um, to your mom, there was no divorce that he has a, a spousal rollover. So I'm not sure how old mom would be today. So you could keep it in mom's name. Um, and he would have to take a required distribution when your mother would have turned age 72. Or dad can just roll it into his own 401k or, or his own IRA. Um you could do that. No big deal. Now he just has extra dollars in his, but he's 72. So he would have to take an RMD. There would be no tax on the whole thing. Right. I think that's the concern. And, and that's right. It just can be either way. There's no tax until you take money out and you have to take money out. If it's in your account at age, you're 72. If it stays in, in uh, his deceased wife, uh, then it would be her age 72, right? Yeah. Yes. Or, he, or would have been. <clears throat> Yes. Had she got to age 72. Yeah. Then the RMD would have to come out of that account as it's still titled in his mother's name. And and there is just, uh, you know, as a side, when you were, when you uh, inherit an IRA or any asset for that matter, you can disclaim it, but you have to do that within nine months after date of death. So that's passed. So put it in Dan's name. Dan would have to take an RMD. Keep it in mom's name. He would have to take an RMD. He could then gift the RMD to you. Yeah, that's the best if, answer. If, if you're thinking, hey, can he just unclaim this? Yeah, and I'll, I'll take, take it? it. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what he's I thinking. know. That's what he's thinking. So, or or her. Or her. Really yes. say. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll say he. So that's probably what he's thinking. But so dad takes the RMD, pays the tax on it, whatever the net is, gifts it to you. Yep. Same same impact. Yep. That's uh, that's the plan. We got, uh, hello, Andy and the guys. Hello. (laughs) Hey, what's up? (laughs) I've been following your podcast for a long time and really enjoy listening to it while I'm killing time. Right, because there's There's... nothing better to do. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I suppose if you got to kill time, you can listen to this garbage. Right. By the way, my name is Butch, and I have a question about how investment assets should move from a deceased spouse to a surviving spouse. My wife and I both have Roth 401ks, Roth IRAs, and taxable brokerage accounts, all at the same low-cost investment management firm. We are each other's beneficiary, and we have no kids. So when that day comes, I imagine that the taxable brokerage account would just flow to the other's taxable brokerage account. But would the Roth 401k and Roth IRA flow to the other's Roth IRA? Or do we need to go into a separate inherited Roth IRA instead? Thanks a lot, and keep up the great information. Butch from the Bait Shack. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah. Um, I drive a 2020 Toyota Highlander, uh, manufactured in Princeton, Indiana. Yep, in the U.S. Okay. Manufactured in Princeton. Oh, but it's a Toyota. Yeah, they have plants here in the U.S. Got it. So, so you think he was like, I... he wanted to make sure he didn't buy a product uh, in Japan. In Japan, got it. So you just answered this question, so maybe you can recap. Sure, you can do one one or the other. Um, Butch from the bait shop here didn't give us their ages, but let's just assume that him and his wife are the same age. Then it's irrelevant. It doesn't necessarily matter. You could keep it in her name. Um, or she could keep it in your name because you're the same age. Why you would want to either roll it into your own or keep it in the deceased spouse name is if that deceased spouse passes or if you're under 59 and a half, right? Because you can, let's say if you prematurely die, then you have access to the dollars if you keep it in an inherited IRA. Sure. So I'm married and let's say my wife passes and I would be like, all right, well, I want access to her 401k. So I would keep it in her name as an inherited IRA for the benefit of me. And I would be able to take distributions from that account without incurring a 10% penalty. But it sounds like Butch from the bait shop is older than 59 and a half. Could be, doesn't say. So then you look at an RMD play. So if you're the same age, well, the RMD is going to be the same regardless because the, the 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 deceased spouse would is going to have to take an RMD based on their age seventy two, and if you're seventy two, the RMD's got to come out of the deceased spouse and then plus yours. So if you combine the two accounts, it doesn't matter. It's going to be a lot easier to manage the RMDs that way because yeah, you have to simple. take an RMD out of both accounts, and if you don't, it's a fifty percent penalty. Yeah, what's all that noise? What what are you doing there? <laughs> I think Aaron is actually moving files around. Dude, why are yeah. you moving files around while we are taping a podcast? <laughs> Please stop. He's trying to be efficient with he, his Yes, time. he's just like multitasking here. Because he used to listen to our show and he and doesn't then now anymore. it's like, all right, well, here, let me. He's killing time. Well, yeah, you're, <laughs> he's killing he's, time. He's killing time here and he's yeah, killing right. me. <laughs> anyway, the, the only reason that you'd want to have one or the other is if you're different ages. And then there's pros and cons on both. If you're the same age, just roll it into your own. IRA or Roth and just call it good. Yeah. And the brokerage account, uh, depending on how, how it's done, if it's joint, you know, then it just goes in the other deceased. But it sounds like if if it's separate property, then you might have. Well, it would still, be, still go to your spouse. Would you get a half step up or full? It, it If it's a community property state, you get a full step up. So Indiana, I do not believe is, is a 
step is a community property. So he would get a, he or she would get a half step up. So I would make sure the brokerage account is titled correctly as joint or in your living trust. Yeah. Just keep so. in mind, that's just where the Toyota was manufactured. That's not necessarily where Butch's bait shack is. Oh, well, good point. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would imagine Butch's point. bait shack is probably not in Indiana. <laughs> well, it might that's be. That's what they I got, was thinking too. Lakes. lakes and rivers. All right. Could be. Okay, Aaron, you want to do some more work and make some noise? Are we good? (laughs) We are good indeed. Stick around for the derails at the end of the episode to be completely misled about what Joe and Big Al and I look like. And then check out our YouTube channel to see the truth. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257. Schedule your free financial assessment at a date and time convenient for you no matter where you are in the country. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. I picture Al looks like Bill Nye, the science guy. Oh, you think I look like Bill Nye? No, I think you look like um, Tom Schmidt. Mike Schmidt? Mike Schmidt, yeah, yeah. there it is. Mike On the Schmidt. Phillies, yes. third, third baseman. And Joe looks like a young John Madden. And I don't think you look like John Madden. John Madden's like 700 pounds. Well, he, he probably like... wasn't when he was young. No, he was he was he big, was younger. Big. Oh, okay. Um, Andy is a wild card. Maybe it looks like Tina Fey. Oh, spot on. Got oh. got that one. Really? Wow. Okay. I'll take it. it up, but I'm a little lazy and prefer to keep the images in my head anyway. Keep up the excellent work. So little Bill Nye, the science guy, and Johnny yeah. Madden. I, I don't think I've ever worn a bow tie well, in I my life. You are very Bill Nye-like. <laughs> you think, and I yeah. guess I could be John Madden-like. Yeah. Just your, the way you talk. Sure. Well, he's going entirely based on our voices. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'll, it, I'll, I'll accept that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, you accept John Madden? Yeah. You're like kind of like, if you were a TV show, you would be like the Lifetime channel. <laughs> Are you the saying lifetime. he is the touchy feely right. side yeah. of retirement? Yeah. It, yeah. I'd be more touchy feely. And right. plus, and, everyone would, it would have a happy ending. Yes. <laughs> no, There's no shooting, yeah. no conflict. Yeah. Well, maybe a little conflict, but it all gets resolved. Yeah. I'd be more like Cinemax. <laughs> Got it. So what, you think she was like Miss Cornhusker? I think so. Oh, yeah, she was <laughs> super hottie. She was. She probably was in the tournament for uh, Miss uh, Miss Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah, guaranteed. Former pageant hottie. Love that. You're just thinking about <laughs> that. Dude, I, that I just lost my set for a second. The show just I got just touchy think of a, like, Yeah, just like a little red, you know, bathing <laughs> suit with a like a yellow cornhusker, you know, hat <laughs> on, whatever. Yeah, I can imagine it too. All right. Michelada. That's it. I don't even, what is it? It's like a beer. We just had that conversation the other day. Yeah, it's the, it's I know, the but I Bloody can. Mary. Yeah. Beer Bloody yeah. Mary. Yeah, throw a little, yeah, bloody, bloody beer is what I used to. Oh, okay. Put a little. You like it? Yeah. Okay. I do. In the mornings, especially. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I usually don't drink in the mornings. So. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not, not like on a Tuesday morning. You know, let's say you have a little family affair, things like that. You know, Got it. Some, okay. 
I'm not going to go to a bar on a Friday night for a happy hour in order a bloody order beer. that. Okay, no. got it. Right, just not done. No, you just right. You just order Coors Light, and then if you if you have a morning cocktail or like if you have a day drink, then you throw a little tomato juice in. Got it. it.